Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Do you know what it takes to make a play to earn game? Well, on this podcast, we're going to be talking with Grant Hastelis. He is the executive director and founder of Wegu Games, a creator of Undead Blocks, the world's first AAA play to earn FPS zombie shooter. Grant brings over an unparalleled passion and vision for gamer empowered and digital asset ownership that is relates to his days working in banking. Grant was most recently the vice president for a M&T bank specializing in data analytics and previously worked at the Goldman Sachs and as an analyst in their securities lending division. Grant uh, graduated with a BS in mathematics from the University of Buffalo, and he is here today. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome Grant. Dylan, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being on your show. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to wrap with you. Uh, I really enjoyed connecting with you at the at the mastermind we were at, uh, going deep on the topic. And uh, I really like what you got. I really like what the the opportunities you're providing. And I would just you know, love to learn just a just a little bit about your journey, man. About like uh, Goldman Sachs to uh, 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 play to earn crypto game. That seems like quite the quite the journey on that path. A little bit learned a couple of those beats along the trail. It, it has been an interesting adventure, but one I would never change for any of it, you know, for the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my entire life, you know, was basically flipped on its head when I found out about Play to Earn and really just trying to develop a model that is sustainable and that can really allow players to not only point and click, you know, earn a currency, but actually have a fun, engaging video game that they can play and also earn and you know, finally build equity in their digital assets for the first time. I think, you know, that's what makes play to earn so intoxicating for me because so many people want to own their digital assets as we move into this, you know, digitized age. And I think, you know, Undead Blocks for us at Wagyu is really just to mm. start. Happy to go into all of that tonight, but really just excited to be here and tell you guys my story. Yeah, man, that's great. I'm, I'm excited to learn as well. I think a lot of people when, you know, they think of trying to make these massive jumps, these massive pivots to get into a new space, it's really overwhelming, right? They're like, I can't do that. I'm just this type of person. I'm just this, right? Um, and, you know, one of the things I love about that is you're, you know, making that jump. What was that? You you said that moment, the play to earn. What do you remember the exact moment when you realized that this was, that you had the vision? I do. I do. And I was sitting in my office at MT Bank and, you know, I, by all stretch of the imagination, I had been living what you would consider an illustrious career in banking. You know, I was at Goldman, mm -hmm. one of the premier banks in the world. Uh, I mm -hmm. pivoted, went to M&T Bank, uh, was a vice president in data analytics and modernization, but there was just this void. I was just spending a lot of my time optimizing and automating my job. And so I had a lot of free time to just sit around and I felt like I was kind of wasting my life. And just watching Axie really pop, like one day just sitting in my office, like, you know what? I'm just ready for something new. I can always go back to banking if I want. I saw Axie and the power of play to earn. I read an article that, uh, you know, people in the Philippines playing Axie at that time were making more money than they ever did in their life. And I figured, well, I could build something similar, but make it a lot more fun and also have um, a stronger tokenomics model. So that's what I did. I eventually just, you know, packed up. Um, and so be, working at Goldman and just making connections my entire life, I was actually able to get connected with a very strong superpower team that has helped me put together, um, you know, our alliance at Wagyu Games. Uh, but really, it just starts with a vision. Like you said, I think a majority of people in this world, they choose safe jobs out of fear. And my 
you know, uh, attitude was I can always go back to that life, but I'm going to take my swing. This is where I'm going to make my stand and I'm going to put my passion and every ounce of sweat equity I have into this game to make it a success. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. That brave step into the unknown, being able to actually say, you know what? I can always go back. Cause the thing people, people look at it as death, right? If I don't, I'm going to die. It's like, no, you just go get your job back in banking. Like as you just yeah. go back and do it. But it's terrifying to, to make that make that leap. I think along the way, you're talking about Axie Infinity and, and better tokenomics and, and things like that. What do you think are some like common mistakes that people make or that you've seen other play-to-earn games make uh, that can cause them to spiral out of control? It's it's a great question. And I, I know I touched on this in my talk at the Mastermind mm -hmm. where you have two complete polar opposite ends of the spectrum right now in play-to-earn. You have web browser-based games, which aren't very fun, which have pretty good tokenomics, and it's just more of click and earn, right? You're not actually engaging with the content. You're more of just doing the action for the reward. And then you have these games out there that promise these illustrious, you know, metaverses, these huge maps, this, you know, third, uh, not third world, just more like uh, emerging world where, mm -hmm. you know, it's open world concept and it takes three, four, five years to develop. And these games never materialize because they raise tokens, they raise NFTs, they make their founders very wealthy and they disappear. So from Undead Block's perspective, we've tried to meet people in the middle where, you know, we have a beautiful game, a fun game that took basically a year to develop, but we also have those strong tokenomics. Why build in a game for an entire year and just have it disappear, you know, due through hyperinflation, like Pig X or Think Arena. So from our perspective, we really wanted to bridge that gap. But you know, the play-to-earn community is extremely underserved. Even you see a lot of rumblings on Twitter now where they say play-to-earn is dead. I think play-to-earn could never be more alive. The key really is just building a model that doesn't cannibalize itself, where you can inject that revenue and that outside liquidity into your model. I believe we've done that with Undead Blocks. It remains to be seen because our game, full game, is going live at the end of July, early August. But, um, you know, like I said, we have a playable beta, which is a huge step for play to earn. And so if you guys are interested, definitely head over to wagyu.io, check it out. You can download it for free and let us know what you think. But yeah, I really think there are two different opposite ends of the spectrum. We're trying to meet everyone in the middle, deliver a fun game that's going to have sustainable tokenomics for the near future. That's awesome. I mean, there's two things that's funny, like the people think that the play to earn market's dead. But if you I mean, if you look at this, this occupation, the thing that you're creating, these digital jobs, right? Like it's like Uber, Uber's not dead. There's Uber, there's Lyft, there's other things, right? It's just, it's finding what you're talking about, that market that doesn't cannibalize itself, right? So what are you, so what are you doing different that doesn't cause this kind of, um, I don't want to say pyramid scheme. Uh, but you, it's say, like, you can say it. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Apparently, I just did, I just did say it. Ponzi-nomics. Ponzi yeah. what we're calling it, right? Yeah. So what is it? So how do you how do you build something in place that doesn't cannibalize itself? Because there has to be some sort of value injection into the mm -hmm. system. Well, the key is is you have to show the value of the community that you're building within, right? The community can't cannibalize itself. And the way to do that is through advertising revenue. Now, that doesn't mean traditional just put 15-second videos in your game and make people suffer through them and want to close their eyes. Like, inject the liquidity in such a manner that you don't even feel like you're being advertised to from the perspective of the player. A couple of ways we're going to be able to do this. One, through sponsored tournaments. For example, we just locked out Pokestarter for a massive tournament this summer. You know, they're a large, uh, you know, they have a large crypto community. And they also have a huge guild. And so, you know, by showing them, hey, if we run a free to play to the public tournament, you know, we can get a lot of eyes that either own an NFT or own other cryptocurrency and that could produce some buy pressure for your token. 
For example, 27 and a half million people watch the Ariana Grande Fortnite concert for free. How many people are going to sign up for a free to play game where you can earn crypto without having to put up any money? So once we establish this base, it's going to be much easier for us to lever these large Web3 companies that have huge marketing budgets, but don't really know what to do with it. Another example, Coinbase dropped three and a half million dollars for a 30 second ad on the Super Bowl to try to get new accounts. But why can't you know a company like Coinbase come in and advertise through Undead Blocks, sponsor a tournament for 10, 20, 30K, a fraction of the price, but also receive huge amounts of volume and traction, not even just on Twitter, but you know, potential new accounts being open. So from our perspective, we know this. We know there is no crypto video game for the people right now. We're really leaning into crypto culture. And we hope by being the first company, by having that first market mover advantage in FPS, we can leverage Twitch, Facebook, and Theta TV to essentially generate that revenue to pay our players. Nice. Yeah, well, what you're talking about is there's this, <clears throat> it's like the same thing with education and gaming. Right. Generally, that if the education's good, the gaming sucks. Right. And so the same thing with the crypto side of things. And generally, if the economics are good, then the gameplay sucks. Right. Yeah. So, you're, so you're looking at it from the perspective. And I got a chance to play it. I, you were kind enough to let me use one of the betas and I got in. I ran around. Uh, I headshot a number of zombies inside there trying to find that freaking shotgun for a while. So I'm not getting, <laughs> getting murked on running around like a, a stranger danger through the whole place. Uh, it's a beautiful game. It's very clean. It's very well put. It's, it's, it's got a, a, a very good core loop pattern. You survive waves, you earn coins, you earn, it allows you to get more supplies. It allows you to last longer. And you're basically going on and on and on. And it's, it's a survival wave shooter based upon these, these tokens that you can acquire throughout the game. And that allows your survivability to go up, which in, sell, in itself is a fun Inherent games. Zombie shooters are inherently fun. It's 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 a well-known trope in the industry. Is zombie shooters are fun, or shooters, first-person shooters are fun itself. But you kind of put in this natural sense of scarcity. Is I want to live longer, so I got to either do better or I've got to purchase something that allows me to do better. Did I did I encapsulate that correctly? It's perfect. Okay. No, it's perfect. And it, it, your listeners, like, I would have them just look up COD Zombies. Well, you can also watch on Dead Blocks gameplay now, too, as beta's out. But, um, you know, COD Zombies is very similar. That's really the inspo for this. And, you know, we're going to make more game modes. We're going to make it more fun and refreshing with, you know, doing things in fast manner, not just a survival base, but getting through time trials. That's very popular on Twitch right now, breaking speed running world records. But you're exactly right. It's a, it's a tried and true gameplay loop. And it's something where... Um, you know, we're taking inspiration from one of the more iconic video game franchises in history. The first COD Zombies iteration lasted 15 years, 32 maps. And that's, you know, what we want to do. That's where we're setting our, our mark. But now you're going to be able to earn. So you're going to be able to use the weapons in the game as NFTs. And you're going to be able to earn every single day with those NFTs. If you choose to move on from the game, you can recoup the purchase of the NFT. You now have actual digital asset ownership where you cannot play this game and earn without an NFT. Of course, those sponsored tournaments, um, you know, from the Web3 companies being an exception. But I really think that this is going to be a model that people really take a liking to. People and people are sick and tired of paying 60, 70, 80 dollars, thousands of dollars in skins for video gaming. It's something that's supposed to be fun, entertaining and engaging. There's a large community out there that physically wants to own their assets. They just don't have anything to play right now because you know, like we said earlier, the games are either web browser based and not very fun, or frankly, they don't exist. So many people ask me, why are you building on Unity versus the Unreal Engine? And my answer always is, in play to earn right now, the Unreal Engine is called Unreal because it's not real, because nobody's been able to develop the game. 
It is very tough and long and strenuous. And in crypto, one week is an entire month. People don't have three years to wait for a video game. And so we love Unity. We're going to rely on it because it looks so good. You saw those kids at the Mastermind. They had no idea. Is this the Unreal Engine? Is this Unity? They don't know the difference. It's all about the gameplay loop. And one more thing I will say is play to earn in these third world emerging market countries is taking off. They don't even have machines that can run the Unreal Engine because it takes so much processing for you. Basically, need like a TI-3080 to make it look really, really smooth. So we love Unity. Um, and, and this is why, like, you know, I told you also, we only raised roughly $5 million to build this game. Some of these other games are raising 100, 200, 250 million dollars. Hold them accountable and ask them what they're doing with all that money. Because if Undead Blocks can pull this off with five, what are you doing with 250? 100%. And I think a good point is like, I'm as well as a, I've taught people how to build VR for a number of years, and it's Unity versus Unreal, Unreal versus this whole like Sega versus Nintendo kind of thing. We, we develop in Unity. Unity is, is is great, especially for indie developers to get up and running. There are so many games on that platform. And again, most of these, most people want it to be a fun loop. Most people want to have a great time, but it's so easy to do what, um, uh, there's a famous guy in the space, uh, is kind of like the Elon Musk. His name is John Carmack. I don't know if you've ever heard about the guy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So, so John Carmack calls that the, the astronaut designer, the astronaut designer is 50,000, you know, you know, feet in the air. And he's just like, this is, I'm building this whole thing. And it's just, it's just too much. It's so easy to, to design from that, from way, way up versus what you did. You had a very good core loop. It brings you through the patterns again, again, and again. And then you're trying to figure out how do you inject liquidity in the game? Now, one of the things that you talked about, I want to kind of elaborate on, because I, I believe I understand it, but just so anybody's listening, understand it. You said that people can make money on their weapons. You said people can mm -hmm. make money with their NFTs. And, then, and, and I think there's a, a couple of ways that you're doing that. Can you please talk to me about how the value of something goes up or how people can make money with their weapons if they are playing or if they aren't playing? Well, it's a great question. So there's going to be two forms of earning. You're going to have your daily earning through the NFT collection where it is play to earn. You have to have one of our weapon NFTs. And by weapon NFTs, we mean loadout. So for example, you could have a loadout called the amateur pack, which is a pistol and a knife. In the game, you can only use those two weapons. And we scale up, they get they the higher up tier, you know, the more expensive the NFT. And, you know, those are trading on OpenSea, which is our, um, you know, the platform for any of the Ethereum NFTs. Uh, but that is the daily earnings. So you'll be able to go in, kill zombies, earn crypto. If you have a weapon NFT, you'll be able to do that every single day. We're going to have a fixed amount of money competing each day for our NFT holders in like a Hunger Games format. You're going to either have to get through challenges as fast as you can or survive as many waves, and it will be performance-based. You will also have the opportunity to earn through free-to-play public tournaments where, um, similar to DraftKings or FanDuel, they will be fully sponsored. For example, PokerStarter is sponsoring one of our tournaments. They're going to give us money, say $10,000. We're going to say anyone in the world can play. You just need a Wagyu account, and then they can log in, and then we'll probably do a 20, 48 or 72-hour tournament, and it's going to be really competitive. You might have the entire country of Philippines sign up for this because they're rabid you know, play-to-earn supporters there. But there's really two ways of earning. If you want that daily earning and really being able to scale up and you're earning to the point where you can make 10, 11, 12 dollars a day, you're going to need a weapon NFT. But of course, you can always sell it when you move on from the game. And many people get asked, where does this money come from? It comes through the advertisements. It comes through weapon skins, wearables, cosmetics. I mean, it's a huge industry. Uh, we're very confident in our ability to sell those items for you know, to the public in our free to play mode, uh, especially when you're having these free to play tournaments, people are going to want to wrap their clout. So 
Uh, lots of opportunities to scale there, but really that's where the revenue generating is coming from. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people, they, they try to monetize so early with like charging you for an experience just to get in the gate or like <clears throat> if you want to go like I know like sandbox you got to have land in order to go and explore mm -hmm. and so you're basically trapped in this little tiny box it goes great if you want to if you want to go anything outside this box you got to do that so I like the fact that you're opening up opportunities for people to go and especially talking about these you know the this play to earn style and talking about the Philippines is you know uh, the the amount of money may not go a lot in say San Francisco but in the Philippines someone being able to actually uh, make a living from this. How do you how do you look at the average amount of money that someone's going to be able to make in this game? Like, how do you how do you calculate that? How do you figure out? Okay, well, if they play this game or for these tournaments, this is how much they could take away. Or what is that? Uh, how do you do those that forecasting? Well, it's a great question. And just to even iterate, and you're right. I mean, if you're living in New York City or San Francisco or even uh, Austin, Texas, right, you're not going to make a daily living playing on dead blocks. But these you know people in these third world countries. My God, it's everything to them. If you know you make thirty dollars a day in Venezuela, and I spoke to a Venezuelan doctor who told me that's what he makes a day operating in a hospital. Like if he and that's not out of the realm of possibility with undead blocks. Philippines minimum wage is seven dollars a day. If you make ten dollars a day playing this game, you can sit inside, relax, be in your favorite chair, and play a video game for fun. Who doesn't want to do that? So uh, you know we know who our target market is, but we definitely want to open it up to people in the United States that are already playing games for fun. Now they can earn a little bit, whether it's hanging out with their friends, maybe they make money for pizza, or you know, let's say you're a teenager, now you can you know use this as an allowance. Stuff like that is is really going to help a lot of people. But to answer your question in terms of the actual earnings amount, what I will say is it's going to fluctuate based on the skill level of the player, because since a lot of this is tournament based with the daily leaderboards. Uh, it's going to become very competitive. For example, if we give away $10,000 a day, you know, first place might win $1,000 and then it's going to be exponentially scaled down from there. So there's going to be a fight to the top, which will make people upgrade their weapons and really grind to try to get the best weaponry. So I would say on average, you know, we've been telling people you can make four to $5 a day. And that's if you're an average player and your average amount of time, which we consider about two to three hours a day playing the game, which in the grand scheme of things, $2.50 an hour is below minimum wage in the United States, but it's more than you've been making playing any other video game. So, you know, we like where we're starting. We don't want to overshoot. We can always add more money to the pool. But from our perspective, we want to make sure this model works because this is so radically new where, you know, we're instead of keeping the money for ourselves that we generate from the game, we circle back to the players. We want to make sure it works. And then we're really going to be able to ramp up and scale up the earnings. Mm, uh, it's good to test the model and it's good to kind of calculate mm. and start start with you know versus the grandiose the you know the, the way up high <clears throat> all that all that makes a ton of sense and now along this journey right so i just want to take a, a a pause here on the actual game and, and i talk a little bit about your journey piece you left um the the banking industry right you had this idea um you were connected in this space you're able to raise a couple million dollars on the on the concept right um and along the way you've been developing sound about took about a year or so to kind of knock this thing out the door what are what i would call threshold guardians what were some things along the way that you weren't expecting that that basically knocked your teeth in that really made you question like oh is this something i really want to do like what's happened along the path well it's it's a great question because there definitely have been a lot of those moments. I think really the big ones were just fully understanding developing a game. Like you, you take, 
you could go download Elden Ring and you watch how beautifully constructed it is, and you really take it for granted how they've been able to really cinematically perform not only just the video game, but the whole visual experience. And yeah. you know, you have a concept, you can fire up Unity and you can start building some 3D models, you know, plug a couple assets in and see how things look. But then actually developing things from scratch takes, you know, hours of time. It's very strenuous. And then the map gets very heavy. You know, you will put in all these these different, you know, models and you can build the animations and all of a sudden your map is just overloaded with polygons. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, how did that happen? So from our perspective, that's why, you know, we built the game first because I can see how projects get into trouble. They have the concept, they have the teaser, the trailer, and then they finally start developing a game. And they say, whoa, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. So from our perspective, like it was imperative that we got this done. Like I have never been a game developer, but I have learned so much on this journey for the last nine and a half months to get to this point. Uh, that really was a big one. And then the community obviously is, you know, mm -hmm. these people want results. These people invest in your project, they invest in your NFTs and they hold your token and they expect consistent updates. And that's what I really strive to be as active as I can, not only in our Discord, Discord Telegram, Twitter, but, you know, these people are holding these other projects accountable, just like Undead Blocks. And you don't see that in the traditional world of banking from where I was, where you have, you know, only one opportunity a quarter to speak to the public with your, like an earnings call. Here, you're physically interacting with your investors every single day. And I know a lot of people actually can't handle that. They, they burn out from the stress, but I love it. Like, I love being in the trenches with these people and showing them what we're working on and giving them sneak peeks. It just energizes them. It really helps spread the word, too. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And that's the thing is like some people can look at that energy and try to fight it. And then it creates a lot of anxiety and fear and doubt and all that type of stuff. And other people just kind of lean into it and, mm -hmm. and, and can really utilize it to actually give you give you more energy than take away energy. Uh, there is a, oh, crap, uh, a video game isn't a magic box that I can shove all my hopes and dreams into and out pops an actual game. I know when I, the first thing I tried to do with Unity way back a decade ago was like, I'm like, I'll make this, I'm gonna make this giant forest for this dungeon crawler game. And I put down thousands of trees and then I turned it on. And it was like, mip. I was like, <laughs> oh, like one FPS. That's solid. Okay. Clearly I'm doing something wrong in this situation. Um, but that's, but that's a lot of growth on your, on your part along the, along the journey. Um, Looking back at that and reflecting, I know there's no regrets here, but looking back and reflecting about what's something that you would you would give advice to your younger self that was that's been along the path that you maybe have learned through excessive trial and effort or other other types of things. What would you what would you do slightly differently? I think the key is is don't take criticism personally. There are going to be people that come into this industry that have been video gaming their entire life. And they're going to try to tell you your game sucks, your game's whack, your game's not fun, blah, 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 blah. But for every one comment that we get from someone that says this, we get 20 that are saying, dude, this is awesome. Keep going. And, you know, it's hard to tune out the noise. I think everybody, you know, uh, even if you look at professional athletes, right, they receive all these mentions and they always say, I'm never listening to the noise. But we all know they're keeping the receipts. And, um, you know, using that energy and channeling it to motivate instead of demotivate is important because, you know, I'm sure when you've set those trees down, mm. if you were to release that, everyone would be like, what happened to your trees, Dylan? Like, what are you doing? We don't know what you're doing. And it's, you know, it, it can get stressful. But my yeah. younger self, I always wore like that chip on my shoulder. I'm from Buffalo, New York. I'm a very blue collar guy. Um, I've always been like Buffalo versus the world. And so I've learned to channel that energy and really curtail my uh energy my chakra per se and just 
channel it into what I need to accomplish because you know, if you do take a step back, you'll see there are a lot of people in this world rooting for you to be successful. You have to tune out the people that are only there for their self-interests and really just plow forward and, and do what you can for your community. Love it. Love it. So, uh, and it's true. I mean, the, any venture you go into, it's, it's a crazy idea until it works. And then it's like an obvious idea. I've had that several times in my entrepreneurial career where people are like, that's crazy. And then something works. And like, oh, of course, of course that makes sense. There's always yeah. that, 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 there's that hump. Uh, right now, some of the, some of the things that I hear in terms of criticism, what would you say to people that would be like, oh, well, the market's down and, and it's, and it's, uh, it's, 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 um, imploding and things like this. And, and there's no, there's no value in this marketplace. What would you say to the people that are saying, you know, what are you doing with the whole bearish marketplace? I, I tell them, look, GameFi has never been hotter. Even with a downward trend in macroeconomic conditions, people are going to move to video games as a, an escape, as a release, not even an only play to earn. But even what you're doing also, you know, virtual reality, people are going to want to build a new community if, you know, the world is crumbling around them. And if that's just inclusive of the crypto markets, I think, you know, you're looking at GameFi and saying a lot of people are going to look at this for a potential way to earn income around the world, especially mm -hmm. if, you know, inflation continues rising and people are struggling. I think they're always going to look for new avenues to invest. I will tell them interest in the metaverse has never been hotter. If you actually look at Google searches and identify what people are searching for, yeah, they might not be searching on Bitcoin and Ethereum as much. It's also harder for them to get 100x on their investment. They're looking for the next hottest metaverse play or, you know, the next play to earn machine that they can really churn some value from. And I think Undead Blocks is very well positioned because we have a game. It's very hard to underestimate how low the bar is in play to earn. Axie Infinity dominated the industry only because you could earn from it, Dylan. It wasn't because mm -hmm. it was a fun and engaging game. It was the only game paying people out for the longest time. And now that their secondary currency has gone to zero, people are looking for that next thing. And so you, you mentioned a good point. People say, aha, or this is stupid until they have that aha moment. Like, that's why people getting paid out in a stable currency is going to reign supreme because why open it up to a secondary market where people are going to pump and dump it for their own you know, justification? Just generate revenue, operate like an actual business instead of paying overweight salaries to board of directors and executives, pay the players. Yeah, absolutely. Getting that flywheel uh, spinning for that uh, mm -hmm. economics, right? And you talked about having a better tokenomics, right? Then Axie and there's scholars inside of there. If you know the game, that's great. But if you don't, it's fine. When you talk about game, you're talking game five, you're talking about game finance. You're talking about being able to make money from playing video games. You're talking about play to earn gaming, talking about this new economy that's sprouting up very much how I'm a Uber eats delivery guy or an Uber <laughs> driver or a insert these. Look, these look at stepping, stepping with the, with the sneakers. Oh. Never been hotter. And you know, now the token is fluctuating again because they don't really have a way to generate revenue. It's Ponzi-nomics. It's you know frustrating because so many people can fall for the same things over and over again. Can you explain Steppen a little bit? Can you explain Steppen yeah, a little bit? Yeah. So Steppen is essentially a walk-to-earn game where you acquire a sneaker, it's an NFT, and then you walk around and then you get paid. And so they actually pay you out in a currency which has been created out of nothing. It's a native token and you get paid by walking around the NFT. And so you know, Stepin claims that they generate their revenue through the sale of the NFTs as well as the open sea royalties, and they do. But eventually, that revenue will dry up. They don't have right now a current way to inject the liquidity, and you'll see the token price go to zero. We're actually seeing it right now, and it's just continuing to happen. Where people say, "How can this happen?" 
Dylan, the key is, is these video games that are monsters for free, like Fortnite. Let's just take Fortnite, for example. Sure. They generate revenue. They take your credit card and swipe it for you. That's how fast they generate revenue through the V-Bucks, for the skins, the, the animations, um, with Call of Duty, the DLC packs that they sell. They find ways to generate revenue. And these games that are played to earn will have to do the same or else it's just straight Ponzi-nomics where the new people pay the old people. Eventually, the new people stop coming and the system collapses. So, you know, all the power to step in. I think it's a cool project. I I like what they're doing. But, you know, these people that are investing in these projects have to really look at them and say, where does the buck stop? The buck has to stop somewhere, especially in economics. But yeah, I mean, that's a discussion for another day, but it's also worth a Google. Check it out if you guys, if your listeners haven't taken a look at it. Well, I think it's great. And you're on a really good point there as you're talking about. So where does, how does Fortnite make money? Fortnite makes money because they have so much demand. And then all of that, you know, uh, you know, I gave, I gave a talk about this, but a lot of that demand creates status and people have status. Mm -hmm. They care about what they wear. They care about their animations. They care about showing on their new shirts. They care about that kind of stuff. And so creating that community and creating that demand, which creates that status, which means people then pay for the things because they feel connected to your um, product, your, your thing. They, they feel like they have an identity associated with it, which is why they care about it, which is why they'd want to be able to take it and, and have that uh, uh, interpretability, be able to translate it from one spot to another location. So the the with with your game and with your community, have you thought around ways of, of building the community, about creating that demand, about driving people into that system? Like, and then and, and what are some thoughts around that? Well, what's absolutely on our mind every single day, and the key is, is we want to do this in a way where you own your assets. So, mm. you know, by minting NFTs on the blockchain, we started with the weapons. Eventually, we want to get into characters and cosmetics, mm. uh, but we don't want to you know, take from the people that you know are actually the ones that are looking to earn right we don't want to put yeah. them in a compromising compromising position where we feel like they must invest we are targeting um crypto fans the crypto culture that's why we put the crypto voice lines in that's why we're gonna have crypto references all over the map these people that identify with web3 and say i love what undead blocks is doing i'm gonna go hang out with my other friends that are in my alpha group or investing in you know this coin that coin and i'm really gonna go support undead blocks we don't want um, people to look at this and say Undead Blocks is just, you know, monetizing the free-to-play and feeding the NFTs. We want it to be like two separate worlds where those that mm -hmm. have the NFTs can be the daily earning, the elite, you know, fighting force, zombie fighting force. But then the free-to-play is more like a culture. And it's, you know, like you said, you have to have that status. Like, this is going to be the Web3 game. It doesn't work without it. And we, we have to bridge the gap because our message has always been, Power to the players, power to the gamers. We don't want to fall into the trap of trying to just generate revenue for the sake of generating revenue and alienating our community because then they're going to come to us and say, well, you're no different than Fortnite or Call of Duty. You're just trying to take our money. So it's just a, a really a bridge. I, I envision something like an undead battle pass where you hold X amount of our token and you get access to things. And so you can always sell the token. You can move on up from, you can get all your money back from holding the token. But I don't like the idea of those one-time purchases only because it makes us like the other games. We, of course, we can pull that lever if we need to, but 
you know, with how radical our, our model is, I truly believe, Dylan, there's a chance we never have to pay out a player from our own money because these tournaments are so popular with these Web3 companies. They'll sponsor the leaderboard for a month just to get their, you know, branding out there. That's really our hope, and that's really what we're pushing for. Well, yeah, there's a lot of uh, challenges with having uh, being in the crypto space and advertising, right, and being able to advertise in spaces. And so there's not a lot of locations. There's not as many locations that people can advertise their games or their crypto or their NFTs or anything else that they want to communicate to the community, right? And if they can get in front of those eyeballs, then it's, I mean, that's everything to them. And uh, and I think there is something to um Right now, you're looking at this game right now as this as um, a play-to-earn style of gaming, um, and you're also talking about these undead battle passes that could happen, which is the new new hot thing that's going on in the gaming space, or new-ish, we'll say. And I think that there's an an interesting opportunity there. I just don't know is balancing out what you're talking about the tokenomics, right, um, along with the the playability, and at the same time, it's like you are in a space to generate money. But it wants to feel like a it wants to feel like it's a given value exchange. It's like Netflix. Netflix is in trouble, right? Netflix is in trouble. They had a whole bunch of accounts, a whole bunch of people drop. So what are they gonna do? They're gonna now gonna restrict your account. So now you now you can't share your password. So then more people are gonna leave. So now they're thinking about putting in ads. So more people are gonna leave, right? There's like a way where people go, absolutely, that sounds great. Like, you know, um, I'll give you more money. Uh, you give me an amazing weapon that that serves me my thing. It's a it's a value exchange versus mm -hmm. versus the, the the pain of 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 feeling like they're trying to like uh, iron grip the thing out of you, right? And so, yes. and um, where have you seen other uh, uh, play to earn games um, make this mistake? And what other spaces? Well, they hyperinflate their NFTs. That's a problem. This this concept of breeding needs to die. I mean. You're diluting the value of the original investor by continue to um, mint NFTs. And so we've been saying this whole time, you know, 6,000 NFTs, 6,000 weapons is good for us for now. Of course, if we want to expand, we can have the community vote on it. But you look at Axie and they have over 300,000 NFTs for their game. They were once worth $1,000 a piece and now worth three bucks, worth nothing. And so um, just through hyperinflation, this daily active user growth where they needed more players to play the game to leverage scale it really took their model and sent it to the ground and from our perspective we don't want to do that but we also realize we need players we need eyes eyes generate leverage we have a portfolio of web3 people we could take that and move to those advertisers that don't have an outlet to advertise them i'll tell you dylan we've spoken to a lot of executives that work in web3 advertising and marketing and they say we are at a loss we don't know how to reach these people because right now twitter is just saturated with shill bots and paid influencers and people can't actually tell what's a good project from not because these people are just taking money from everywhere uh youtube is also a cesspool for you know actual quality information now they're starting to move into TikTok. they're moving into the insta reels it's where a lot of the kids are actually watching these videos so these advertisers are having trouble and so that's why we want to be the first FPS because then we can use our platform because no one is on Twitch, no one is on Facebook gaming and no one's on Theta TV. But uh, circling back to the conversation, like you said, we have to make the purchases feel organic, friendly and fun. We have to make it feel like they're doing it on their own accord, not like they have to. Even though it is a status thing, we want them to feel like they're getting something in return because if they don't, then you said, 
you know, once that revenue dries up, it's much harder to find another source. Netflix is in trouble because they overextended themselves. They kept raising price and they kept delivering average TV shows. So it's, you know, and now they're dealing with the repercussions of all that growth. Growth is great. Growth is great when you're growing, when you're getting this exponential growth, 25, 30, 40% in users, but eventually it's going to plateau. And how do you continue to make it go up? That's the, the, the crux of it all. So it will be interesting to see how they continue to combat that. They're going to go through a valley, but at the end of the day, they have a very large platform. I think it just needs some tweaking, but I think mm -hmm. Undead Blocks is going to go through that same thing. Right now, we just delivered our beta. People are saying, okay, when's the next beta? When's the next map? When are more weapons released? It's always about curtailing your expectations and letting yeah. your community know, like, guys, it's been three days. We haven't had time to put out an update yet. Give us a little bit of time. But that's where that constant communication comes in. It's Crypto is so unique because... You have actual founders and executives of these projects are in the Discord and the Telegram every day talking to you. You don't hear from the CEO of Netflix if you're a shareholder. You can only hear from him through the public, through a publicly generated statement. In crypto, you can literally message me on Twitter and I'll respond to you in like a day. Like It happens every day. And I think that's a really unique uh, opportunity for people and something that we're probably not going to see in the next five to ten years. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing is having a face associated with, the, you know, you know, you putting your neck on the line, your good word on the line, people being able to message you, contact you, reach out to you. And I completely understand the development side of things is it's so easy to go, you know what you should do? Two new maps. And you're like, I understand yeah. that. I understand that was one sentence, but you don't know the time it takes to go from one sentence to a playable loop inside of the game that, that actually takes some effort. So, uh, but that's but what's cool about that is also is you got an amazing feedback loop with beta testers. They can cycle through it, you get the feedback, you can see how they feel in real time. They generally don't pull punches either. Um, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it just it kind of bruises the ego, but you cause a lot of growth along the way, which is, which is fantastic. The, uh, the looking at this, you know, this space, right. And looking at where this whole thing is going, uh, can you talk to me a little bit about like what for you is like your holy grail with all this, 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 this play to earn crypto for all the work that you're doing in this space. Do you have a holy grail flag in the sand on the top of the mountain that you're trying to achieve by making this undead blocks play to earn well, game? I think that's a good question. I, I, I don't have necessarily a holy grail. Like I've made it kind of aha moment. I think yeah. I had that moment the first time I spoke in front of a crowd, like at the mastermind. And then last week I was at the crypto tax on Miami where people are listening to me and I've become an authority and play to earn. They, they want my opinion. And I would just like to see undead blocks be the trailblazer for develop a game first. And then let's talk about adding all these features. It really, it upsets me to no end when I see a teaser and a trailer come out and then a 35 million dollar raise i don't understand why you're justifying that kind of valuation at this stage you could even do a multiple stage valuation where okay you meet some you know timelines and then you raise and the problem is is when you're investing in a utility token the, the retail aka the public investor has no idea what the kind of time frame and the required development work if you want to raise that money from venture capital firms that's fine they're very you know, these, these people are very sharks, man. They're going to go make money. But when they, when they put their line on the community, when they put their community on the line and they say, yeah, we're going to ruin all this X, Y, Z. And then the rug gets pulled like with Pixelmon, $75 million just drained right from the pool and play to earn. We took collateral damage from that Dylan, because we were building on unity, just like they quote unquote, we're building on unity. And we had no idea 
who these people were. They were undoxed. They just took everyone's money and disappeared. And so from my perspective, I would just like to be known as a, the guy that actually made a fun FPS play to earn game that changed the world. That's my holy grail is, you know, we deliver this game in August, the full experience and people around the world can earn and then they have a choice. Do I want to continue working my average to below average job for $7 a day? Or do I want to go play Undead Blocks? And if they can play my game and they say, this is what I want to do with my life, I'm having fun. Like, how powerful and cool is that? Like, it's not about the money. I've done very well in my career. That's a theme between me and the other, you know, management team at Wagyu. We've all done very well in our Web 2 Fortune 100 careers. This is about leaving a legacy and impact on the world because, um, you know, I've had more fun working on this in the last nine to 10 months. I feel like a kid again than um, working in banking for eight. Like, it's just so much fun. And I think um, NFT NYC will be another good moment because we're actually nominated for multiple awards for play to earn game of the year. And that would be great to win one of those awards. Just get on stage amongst my peers and say, you know what, Wagyu and Undead, we've truly made it. So we'll see. Fingers crossed that we uh, do well at the, the awards there. But even just speaking at consensus in, in a week and a half, like, I'm going from sitting in a cubicle, sitting in an office to not mattering to now thousands of people have an opportunity to hear me speak and just listen to how powerful I think play to earn can be. That's really what I want to do is just continue spreading the word and showing people, yes, you can earn from a video game, generate revenue, use it to pay players and let those players determine what the story becomes. Mm. And we're talking about change in the world what you're talking about is providing economical opportunity for people that don't have it even at the mm -hmm. the amount that it's out if you're looking at the scale across the world it can actually make sense in in different types of countries uh if, if that's the goal if that's the vision if that's the the flag in the sand you hope to achieve what's the dragon what's the thing that might be so big you don't know if you can overcome it or you might need to transform who you are to be able to defeat that dragon well i think it has to do with expectations where people eventually are going to start earning and say, I want more, I want more, I want, you know, they're like, you look at people with Axie and they say, we don't care what we're doing. Just let me click the button and earn. Like uh, with that, you know, system as we've built it, we've tried to make it so we keep it as random as we can. So people don't just get accumulated to showing up and making their six, seven, eight bucks a day. That's why it is an exponential model where if you do damn well in a day, you can make a hundred, 250 bucks. If you have a bad day, you make two. So from our perspective, it's just making sure that the game is fully developed. And from that is the cybersecurity too. Like the Dragon, we cannot afford to get hacked. We cannot afford to have anyone's private information stolen. You look at Axie, of course, they got hacked and lost $650 million on their Ronin network. Like we cannot do that. That's why we're building on Ethereum because it's you know pretty much jail-proof and uh, uh, we didn't want to have to sell a new chain. We wanted to just set it and forget it when it came to blockchain and just put all of our effort into the game. So really it's just making sure that the security is strong, making sure that the gameplay loop is fun and people don't feel entitled to a salary. We want people to walk on every day saying, I could make crazy money today. Even somebody in the United States, like let's say you're living in San Francisco or New York City, you might log on to this game because if you finish in first place, you're making a thousand bucks that day. I don't care who you are. You make a thousand dollars in one day, that's damn good money. So uh, it, it really has an opportunity for everyone to compete. People that were in prison, and now they're coming out and they are trying to reacclimate with the world or people that are shut-ins. They can make serious money playing this game. They can run their own small business. And we have to make sure that the security is strong. We have to make sure the gameplay is looped for them. Those are really the two dragons. 
You know, any game has to be fun. If you play something for eight, nine, 10 hours a day, you're probably going to get tired of it. So how do we just fight that off and fend that off and just make sure people are having a blast? Mm, yeah. 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 Think about that. Can you imagine that going to bed, waking up and going, oh, we just lost $650 million. That, woo! Like, what would I do? Like, what, uh, how many people are invested in undead or NFTs? It's all ruined. Like that, uh, we cannot have that happen. Yeah, that, that is a terrifying dragon to come up against um, on, on that front. And the thing is, is that, I mean, humans are clever. We're clever. We figure things out. In my mind, I was like, I wonder if you can hook up like an aimbot on your thing that just runs around, you know, and, and it's got that that hacking mod going on that just auto auto aims and just takes people out, you know, because people will find, especially when there's money involved in the games, people will find ways to hack the system. So on, on not only on the crypto side, have you thought about any of the things around the gaming hacking piece of things? Well, the we're going to be very liberal with our IP yeah. banning. I'll tell you, I, Dylan, I've tried at least three different types of software for this anti-aimbot. And for what we're running in Unity, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for Call of Duty Warzone. You can't even play Warzone right now because it's just all botted to hell. One thing I will say is I do believe we are at an advantage compared to other FPS because zombie survival FPS, like you said, yeah, they can set up an aim bot to aim for the head on the, the zombies, but they still have to go get ammo. They still have to get themselves out of compromising positions. It's not like in Fortnite where the split seconds are the difference between life and death. So mm -hmm. if we do see people that are aim botting and we can review all the footage and watch, uh, we can put nfts on suspension we can ip ban we have a lot of different things we yeah. can do we will we can even go into exploring some of the software but for the price relative to what you receive right now it's not yeah. worth it it's just yeah. better to threaten the ip banning and people aren't going to want to risk if there's actual money to be made they're not going to want to risk losing their potential uh you know serious payout over something that they could aim for the head anyway the in yeah. zombies the life and death really isn't about getting the headshots it's yeah. you know can you survive can you just be strategic with your movement and know where the ammo boxes are stuff like that yeah no i was just curious about that because i mean i know because as gamers will find a way to hack your system they will. I, I've, I've seen it man i've seen people do the weirdest tricks in my games of just like i'm like i didn't even think that was even possible like okay well all right mark that imagine my, imagine my surprise when on day one of beta release we found somebody walking around on all the roofs of the houses <laughs> you know, we had been testing this for four months, and all of a sudden, the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm on the houses and stuff." I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Beta testers like, what? Like, how did this happen? Like, we have a hundred beta testers, and nobody was able to find this within half an hour. Somebody's like, "Yeah, I'm on the roof of the houses." I'm like, okay. yep, that sounds exactly right. Uh, it's awesome. What do you think in terms of your uh, for you being in the space and and everything? What do you think is your superpower? Like, what is your superpower if you were to name one? Sheer will. I, I don't stop. I don't sleep much. Um, and it's a relationships business, Dylan. I think that is what I've made my money on. Um, that is where I really come to thrive is because I treat every human being I come around with respect and I don't milk and I don't manipulate. I think that's why we've been able to recruit a lot of talented developers in Unity, especially in these third world countries where we can pay them a lot more than what they were making at their previous employer uh, and do beautiful work for us. Uh, and they love it and just by not being greedy, not, you know, trying to shortchange people, treating people with respect and really just knowing how to motivate. I think, uh, you know, being a leader takes not only the skill, but the, the passion behind it. You have, you can, I can't fake this, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people see it. I think 
they I I have a huge you know Discord community where people just like get, say get on Grant's back. This guy's just going places. That's what I want to be known for. Like I was never you know the smartest guy. Like I went to school for data science. I was a mathematician, but where I've really just succeeded in my life is by repetition, by understanding what my weaknesses are, staying away from them and just leaning in on my strengths, which is, you know, we've built a whole lending system from scratch. A lot of it is through the code that I've written. Um, I, we needed, for example, I'm a console player guy. We could have just did mouse and keyboard. I said, I've been playing console my whole life. I don't care how much money it is, get it done. It was very expensive, but now you can play this game on Xbox and PlayStation controller. You're a Web2 person. You're only playing Xbox. This is an easy sell for you because you don't have to switch and learn keyboard and mouse. Uh, also, just the, the connections, the, the venture capital firms, the centralized exchanges that can really help promote us. Like those facilitations, those conversations are just as, as important as interacting with our community because mm -hmm. you know, those are heavy hitters in this industry. I'm sure you, Dylan, you've worked with hundreds of people in your life that you know probably have the impact of millions because of their reach and who they know and it truly is a relationships world and that's what i'm really good at just forging those relationships i love it what advice would you give to some young person out there who doesn't have the relationship skills who wants to figure out how well how do i build a relationship what does that look like if i'm and they're starting from the from the bottom and they're just trying to figure it figure that out how do they cultivate that superpower well i would what i would say is it starts with your family. I mean, if, again, assuming you have one, I don't want to go out here and say, like, if you're alone, like, it's tough. But, you know, yeah. see how you interact with your family and see if you can, inter like, replicate those interactions with your friends. And then from your family to your friends, then you start working on, you know, whether it's your coworkers, your colleagues, or just acquaintances and just see how people react. Say different things to people and be kind and take mental notes on how they react to it. Like, don't be creepy. Don't be weird. But like, you know, be, ask them how they're doing, come up to them and smile and shake their hand and be firm and be stern and just say, it's a pleasure being able to connect with you. Thank you for yeah. taking the time to speak with me. Just be really nice and friendly and you'll be surprised. So many people walk up to, to me and they're like, you're just a very outgoing, personable dude. And like, I'm just a random guy, but it's about like the charisma and, and people can see it. You don't want to wear a scowl on your face. Just be happy, go lucky. And I promise you like building these relationships, it's not that hard. Like I know people write books on it and they say these networking sessions are vital, but really walk up to people, be a fucking human being and just say, how are you today? Like, Wow, like great presentation. Thanks for hanging. Like when I spoke to Dylan for the first time, guys, I walked up to this dude. He had like the biggest smile on his face. And he walked up to me and said, you absolutely killed your presentation. And I'm like, dude, thanks. Like, I appreciate that. Maybe he was lying to me, but I was like, this guy just seems like a really awesome dude. And by just having those interactions with people, I swear to you, it will increase the life enjoyment that you get tenfold because, you know, people love to be loved. They like to feel like they're, what they're doing matters and they want to feel like they're included in, in things. Oh, no, no, I, the, sincerely, I enjoyed your presentation. I told, I told you that because I, yeah. I believed it. I also like the way that you, 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 um, you did a lot of things that were off the cuff that felt very natural that I could tell was just coming. It was coming straight from the gut through the heart out the mouth. And I was just watching you go back and forth where you just kind of, I'm like, this dude doesn't have anything prepared. And he is just going for it. And you, and then, but it would flowed. And I can tell you're into it. And I pre, as someone that has to 
randomly pull things out of my butt all day long on camera all the time. I was like, that's a, that is amazing. So I, I very much enjoyed that. Um, and there's also one thing you're talking about that. What I, I love that is the, you're like, don't be creepy. Don't be weird. Right. Is, is, but it's, is the having a good time and appreciating people. I think some people do have that thing of, I'm afraid to give you a compliment because I don't want you to think that I'm creepy or I don't want you to think that I'm hitting on yeah. you or I don't want to be la insert the thing. So I think that's some really, really good um, advice and you can start small. And I, I think a lot of people, they feel very overwhelmed with, they look at where they're at in their life, right? Where they're like, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get here, right? I'm just, I'm just this person, but then you make this step and then the step and this step and then you look back at that that trajectory like you were like you're, you're in a bit you're probably in some sort of cubicle type of place in a bank in a place like that yeah. and you are so far from that right now i don't i don't see you come in with a suit and tie you know there's no uh you know casual fridays i i did hear you, you run and grab your undead hoodie uh for part of the part of the show um but i think that's i think it's a a really good note for people here because i think a lot of people that you know what points this podcast is to is to you know understand people's stories, lessons, and insights, inspire the listener to be the hero of their own story, and and you know my thing I love about this is you're talking about just being a normal dude that just is a friendly, personal dude that just took some big ballsy decisions and put yourself in a position <laughs> to, to, to well, make things happen. Dylan, it's funny you say that. I shouldn't be in this position. Like mm -hmm. it it took a lot to get here. Like I am just a kid from one of the smallest parts of the world. You know, Buffalo, New York is not a crypto hub uh, by any means. Sanborn, New York, where I was raised, I grew up on a farm. Like, I didn't have many friends. I was uh, someone who struggled to, you know, make friends in high school, whether those guys, girlfriends. I didn't really have a social circle. And uh, you know, eventually, you just have to look yourself in the mirror and say, you are who you are. Lean into your strengths. Don't worry about feeling like you're the awkward one. Because everyone goes through an awkward moment in their lives. I can promise you that. I can promise you even when I'm on stage and talking to people. Like you said, like I don't go up there with agenda. I'm very different. I'm not a PowerPoint guy. I made so many of them in my career working in banking. I refuse to make any more. Never going to happen. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, everyone is just a normal person. If you got up and you yeah. talked to Elon Musk, that guy eats breakfast, lunch, dinner. He goes to sleep every night. He probably looks at Twitter when he's in the bathroom too. So everybody is just the same. Just approach them with respect and genuinity. It's very easy to tell. Um, at least the more I get exposed to people, I can tell who is genuine and who wants to come up to me, you know, because they have something to sell me. It's, yeah. it's very easy to tell once you're in the moment. But one thing I would tell your listeners is, yeah. you know, this is called the Heroes of Reality podcast, and it just doesn't get more real than me. Like uh, I went to school at University at Buffalo, average school, pretty good school. But I wasn't Ivy League. I, I didn't get this through nepotism. I didn't get this from knowing anyone. I just put my head down and worked harder than every one of my peers I knew. I found my lucky break. I got a lucky break. With, without play to earn, I wouldn't be here. I'd still be crunching spreadsheets and doing data science. Without Axie, I wasn't here. So sometimes it also takes someone else to kickstart your own journey. There's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast and say, I want to start a business or I want to be entrepreneurial. I just don't know what the fuck to do. And the answer to that is it's okay. <laughs> it's okay not to know right now because I didn't know even just a year ago. I, if you look at this time last year, I am still, we still haven't been working on undead blocks. So it's okay to not know, but 
it's about the mindset. Eventually, one day you're going to find that thing. And I hope you remember this podcast and say, that one grant dude from Unbed Blocks told me, if you find that thing, go for it. And I want you to go in with 12 feet, you know, jump into 12 feet water because, you know, you can always pull back. You can always go back to the life you're living. Um, it will be there for you uh, when you want to come back. But if you don't take the plunge, you will never know. You will be left with instant regret for the rest of your life. Uh, and that's just my advice is just to find that passion thing about you're about and don't let anybody outwork you do it with a smile. And I'm, I like your chances. Love it. I love it. And you're totally right. That is that it's that the pain of the regret, right? Going out, not taking that chance. Like the, the woulda, coulda, shoulda things. It's so easy to play it safe, man. But that thing you feel good. Yeah. It's, it could be stressful. You could lose $670 million overnight. You just wake up in the morning. <laughs> just, oh no. But the thing is you've taken that chance, man. And you played full out, which is, which is beautiful. Um, yeah. it grants absolutely awesome to have you on this podcast. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them more about how they can get a hold of you and how they can find undead blocks? I, I would just like to reiterate that point you just made. Um, you, you might stumble, like not every day is pretty. Like when you see executives and they're all, you know, primed and propped in different, um, whether that's in invites, you see Elon Musk on screen on stage and he's always got the right answer. His publicist has fed him the right things to say. You know, a lot of work go and effort goes into behind the scenes. So when you're watching other crypto projects talk about the way that they present themselves, I want you to look at it not through rose-colored glasses. I want you to hold these individual companies accountable because you have a very unique opportunity to speak with them, just like you have a very unique opportunity to speak with Dylan. Dylan has been creating for years, and this guy is a like he is a uh, heavy hitter in his field. So. You know, he's not going to give you the fluff. I want you guys to really sort out the fluff and try to, in your own personal lives, whether you're investing in crypto, stocks, you know, or trying to find that thing you want to really do with your life, just try to really analyze it without those rose-colored glasses because so many people are going to come to you with a spin and it's really easy to fall for the spin. So that would be my final thoughts is just, you know, take everything that you hear, whether it's on social media or through your own inner circle with a grain of salt, do your own research. I know that's overplayed in this industry, but it really is so important because, um, you know, doing your research could change your life. You could eventually find that thing that motivates you, that become, makes you the next hero of reality. So, you know, it's been an absolute blast. If you guys want to get a hold of me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Grant underscore Undead. Obviously, if you want to follow along with Undead Blocks, follow us on Twitter, Undead Blocks. Go to UndeadBlocks.com. Uh, we have NFT weapons that you can use to play the game. We also have a, a trading token that is live uh, on Uniswap and Gate.io if you're not in the United States. But it's been an absolute blast, Dylan. Thank yeah. you for having me. This is I, I love what you do, and it's just been an absolute honor. My pleasure, brother. I love it. I love the new opportunities you're creating. I love the fact that you got in, you know, rolled up your sleeves, dived in and, and went from someone who had no experience in space to someone who's leading the charge at the front. So I, I salute you and your journey, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Uh, much love, peace, and I'll, I'll see you on the other side. Thank you all. See you, brother. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.